Good morning, Sterling. Amen. Our Lord, it's wonderful to come to you as a rescued people, a people qualified by the blood of Christ, and that, Lord, because we are your people, we get the supreme gift of the new covenant, which is your spirit dwelling inside of us. What a glorious reality for the Christian this morning. And as we preach, I pray that the privilege of the presence of God dwelling in us would make us revere you, Lord, eager, Lord, to yield to you as God, and, Lord, hungry to be totally consumed with pleasing you. We have short lives, Lord. We pray that you would make us fruitful for Christ's glory. Through the help of your spirit, we pray. Amen. So if you're joining us today for the first time, we are preaching on the Holy Spirit. And um, we kicked off week one by talking about the Spirit being a person. Very important. He's not an it or a thing. He is very God of very God. He has a personality. He has ways and habits. He has his own mind. He has his own emotions. He has his own will. And friends, if we are going to learn to follow Christ, we need his help. And that means we have a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the relationship with the Holy Spirit is very, very important in terms of how he influences our lives. He is the member of the Trinity that wants to make much of someone else, and that person is Christ. And he is called the Parakletos. He's the one who comes alongside us. So his help is pointing us to Jesus. Jesus is our model. He's where we need to, what we need to see for salvation or who we need to see for salvation. And he is our model of what we are to become as Christians. And our life energy is spent on living for Jesus. But um, I want to point out, if he's pointing to someone else, why well, preach on him? I mean, that's a good question. Well, it's because we are to be aware of his work in our lives. We are aware of his influence. He is the one that helps us um, in the everyday living to know Christ and to become like him and to live for him. And so we recognize that this influence is there, but he's God. He is divine. So when he speaks, it's not, ah, you know, it is God speaking to us as God the Holy Spirit. And so we take it very seriously. We come with reverence before this um, wonderful truth of the Spirit in our lives. And we said, well, that was the first week, was the Holy Spirit as a person, and, and we relate to Him as a person, but we relate to Him as God, and He helps us to relate ultimately to Christ. We're aware of His, His work in our lives. We should be. We should be aware. We should have a relationship with the Holy Spirit alongside us. But the second is the week that we saw last week, and what a sermon it was, was Greg Heasley preaching on uh, the work of the spirits. We looked at his person in week one, but the second week was starting to unpack his work. And the greatest work in the human life is when there is this recreation inside of us, when we become Christians. We become new creations in Christ. This miracle 
regenerating work of the Spirit. And until that happens in the life of a human being, no one can be saved. No one can see Christ. No one has a capacity to, to worship Christ um, because each person is born dead in their trespasses and sin. And the greatest work of the Spirit in the human heart is when there is this new life that comes. And it leads to great assurance. Jesus says, no one can pluck them from my hand. Um, it leads to worship. Uh, and it leads to witnessing. Greg said last week, our job is to get the gospel to people's ears, but it's the Spirit that gets the gospel to their hearts. And that's very comforting. It's not our brilliance that creates uh, salvation in a human heart. It's rather our sloppy obedience and the effectual work of the Spirit backing that, that we're saved. But I want to carry on that journey, and we're going to break up this next section into a few weeks because there's a lot to cover, and I don't want to rush but I'm hoping that it is something that inspires you in your walk with Jesus. And that is the empowering work of the Spirit to live for Jesus now that you are born again. I mean, the great wonder of the Spirit is that being born again is just the start. It's just the start. It's changing of kingdoms. It's been given a life not just to be passively rested upon, but to be lived out with purpose. And uh, this work continues from salvation into sanctification and ultimately glorification. And, and friends, it is the most exciting adventure for the human being that will yield to it. Really, it is. That you would live a life in partnership with God, empowering you on the inside to live a life that will be remembered in the next and the way we talk about the Spirit's empowering is we're trying to use biblical language. And the way the Bible talks about the Spirit's empowering is His infilling. It's the life of the Spirit being ministered to the regenerated human heart. It is the infillings of the Spirit that empower us to live for Jesus and uh, empower us to know Christ and to look like Him. And so we're going to look at these infillings of the Spirit over the next few weeks. And so if you're taking notes, uh, my, I've already said my first point is the work of the Holy Spirit only begins at salvation. Friends, remember the Trinity has their roles very carefully ascribed to each one. You have the Father who plans, and He does it through Jesus the mediator, and the Holy Spirit is the one that actually does the work. He is the executor. And so it is the Spirit's responsibility to move you forward in your walk with Christ and to mobilize you for His kingdom and to make you look like Him. And, and so we can summarize this work of the Spirit in the, in the Christian heart in three big ways. I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of group them all together under three simple headings. The first major way that the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer is he helps us understand our sonship or our daughtership. In other words, He teaches us who we are in Christ. He makes Christ known to us. And when we see Christ, my friends, you see who you are in Him. And the first major way that the Holy Spirit is at work in the life of the believer is He teaches us and He gives us the experience of what it means to be in Christ, the spirit of adoption our position in this kingdom of sonship or daughtership. The second way that the Holy Spirit works is sanctification, is He helps us 
become more and more like Jesus. He helps us live holy lives. And friends, did Christ ever sin in his life? Pardon? No. No. Thank you. The leadership of the Spirit is to deliver you from the habits of sin. And the third, so we have sonship or daughtership, we have sanctification, is the Spirit empowers us for Christ's service. A heightened work of the Spirit in the life of a believer leads to a heightened desire to live for Christ. And he apportions gifts. He gives us a, a knowledge of God's will. He empowers us to live a life of service for Jesus. And so those are the three ways we're going to look at today and next week of how the Spirit works in the life of a believer. Sonship, sanctification, and service. And do you notice that all three of these things are to be experienced? It's very important. This is not an academic exercise of understanding the work of the Spirit. Friends, the fact that God is dwelling in you by the help of the Spirit and you are under His influence and you are relating to a person essentially means we must be daily aware of the work of the Spirit in our lives. We are not living here by a system. We're not living here by a law or a legalism. We are coming under the law of the Spirit, where is Christ writing His will on our hearts through the help of the Spirit. And these things are to be experienced. We are to experience the love of God being poured out by the Spirit that makes us feel like sons and daughters. We are to experience the sharpening of conviction of our consciences to give us a desire to be sanctified for Christ. And there is a desire, a zeal, an urge, a boldness that comes through the Spirit that makes us want to live. These things are not subconscious. They are not subconscious. They are experiential. We are coming under the influences of the Spirit daily. And so I want to again point out, friends, the work of the Spirit is not merely illumination, which is working through the the mind. That's not the only work of what we must believe. Uh, And this is very important. He, He has an influence on the way that we live day by day. He's a way of speaking to us and nudging us and helping us see Christ clearly as we live. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how this life of the Spirit, His empowering activity or His filling ministry, if you want to use biblical terms, comes to the believer. It is called being filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit can fill us in two ways. You see two very distinct uses of, of, of the language in, in the New Testament. And the best way I can think of it describing it is like a swimming pool. How many of you have swimming pools here today? Don't you just love the rain here? Thank you, Jesus. Because there's only, other, there's only one other option in which you can fill that pool, and that's with BCM water, right? You've got to put a, a, a hose pipe in. You've got to turn on the tap, and this little jet of water shoots out for hours. And you wait, and it fills. It fills. And without rain, every day, well, this is me. I'm, I'm a bit stressed out, a pool keeper, right? I, it's, it's a thing that keeps me humble. I still can't get the creepy crawly to work properly after a year of owning our pool. But you're checking the level. You're aware that it's going down. And so what you do is you pop the hose pipe in, and you fill. And it's a gradual infilling. And you're checking daily that, that, that the level's okay. It's not too low. But then... You get a day like this where maybe it's not quite yet, but you can get a deluge and the rain pours down. And within what, what takes a host pipe hours can fill that swimming pool up within just a, a couple of minutes, maybe 10, 20, 30 minutes. And you go, thank you, Jesus, for the rain. 
Now, friends, that's a very helpful way of looking at how the ministry of the Spirit comes into the human soul. Is in Ephesians chapter 4, it's a beautiful verse, 5, sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, there is a command where Paul says we must be daily filled with the Spirit. Every day, we must have a fullness of the Spirit. And you know, I learned something for the first time this week about what that means in terms of the Greek. Did, uh, whenever there's a command in Greek, for those of you who want to go and check it out, there's an imperative, be filled. But it's in the passive tense, and it's a passive present, which means that actually to be daily filled with the Spirit means to be pervaded with His influence in every area of your life. It's beautiful. You are coming under His influence daily, your mind, your thoughts, your mouth, your hands, every part of your life is coming under His influence. And that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit daily, is daily you are being yielded to the Spirit's influence in every area. We are walking by the Spirit. We are understanding that we are open to His nudging and leading in every area of our lives. And friends, that's what it means to be daily filled. Remember what R.A. Torrey said in week one? He says, it's not that how much of the Spirit we can have, but how much of the Spirit can have of us. That's right. That's being daily filled with the Spirit. But then there's another Greek tense that comes to it. It's the aorist tense. It's an event. And it's an event that is powerful and it's special. It it's doesn't happen every day. And it has an effect upon the believer in whose heart it happens, which helps them live for Christ more and know Him more. And it is called the special filling ministry of the Spirit. It is, it is this, this event where the Bible could say in Acts chapter 2 verse 4, and they were all filled with the Spirit. It's, it's, it's a different Greek tense entirely, a different Greek voice as well. It is a once-off moment that has a substantial impact. And these are the two ways that the Spirit is highlighted in ministering life to our souls as Christians. Daily infillings of the Spirit where He is influencing and pervading every area. We are yielding to the Spirit daily. And the second is we get these special infillings which are very special in the life of the believer. And if you had to talk to a believer looking back, they are the high watermarks of closeness with Christ, of being compelled to witness, and a sensitivity towards sin. They are very, very precious. They don't last forever, although their effects, I would say, you learn some things that change your life forever, but they're there. They're there, and they happen, and they're very precious. Remember what Jesus says in John chapter 7, verse 38? He says, whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is the ministry of the Spirit, friends. There is a daily help, but there is also a special help, and we are to be open to both. And we're going to look at the special infillings of the Spirit over the next two weeks, and I'm just going to try and make a start, and we'll carry on next week. Um, okay, let's look at the, my second point. What is the evidence of the filling work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? What I'm very nervous about when preaching on the Holy Spirit is you just think he's a 21st century phenomenon, right? Ever since the charismatic movement, people have been more interested in the Holy Spirit in a certain way than ever before. 
It's split churches. It's caused great damage, I think, in our relationship to this third member of the Trinity. We want to take back the biblical uh, perspective on the work of the Spirit. And friends, it's wonderfully encouraging when you read the Old Testament how active the Holy Spirit is. Next time you read your Old Testament, keep a lookout for what's actually happening. I think the Holy, the, the Holy Spirit is, is far more active than what we give Him credit for when we read the Old Testament. We see prophecy. We see people being raised from the dead. I mean, this is all by the help of the Spirit. We see, we see people running kilometers at breakneck speed. We see ripping off of gates of cities. I mean, I have to read the story of Samson to, to my little boy. I mean, he loves it. I mean, there's this big, strong super, superman, and he rips his gates off, you know, and he kills all these people with the jawbone of a donkey. <laughs> I mean, it's quite remarkable. Healings, even being caught up in trances. I mean, the Old Testament is far more charismatic than what we give it credit for. And friends, the reason why I make this point this morning is this is under the Old Covenant. This isn't even under the heightened work or the perfect work of Christ. We see in the people of God under the Old Covenant, we see the Spirit moving in rather unusual ways. But this is the difference. These outpourings were for a select few and for a select purpose. Do you remember the beautiful words of, if you're reading the Bible reading plan in Numbers 11 verse 29 when Moses says this, he says, Oh, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And, there is, and, and if you read your Bible in the Old Testament, you'll see that there is this increasing longing amongst the prophets in Israel for a greater and wider outpouring of the Spirit as the Old Testament develops. It starts off with the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. It tells us the Spirit was there from the beginning. But then, as God's people grow and His covenant grows, there's this anticipation. There's this thing that is coming, and it comes through over and over again in the Old Testament. Oh, I think I've made a type here. For instance, in Ezekiel, which one is Ezekiel? 36 verse 26, that's right. It moves from having the law written on stone, where God predicts through his prophet Ezekiel, God will put his spirit in the hearts of his people. Not the spirit in the temple, the spirit in the body. And then Joel says, God will pour out his spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Joel chapter 2 anticipates a much greater work of the spirit. And do you notice it's, it's, it's higher than, than conversion. There are empowerings there to live in a way under this outpouring of the spirit that is different to merely believing. And then the great John the Baptist, the last of the Old Covenant prophets, he says in Luke chapter 3, verse 16, isn't this wonderful, anticipating Christ? He says this, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Friends, there was going to be a heightened work of the Spirit inaugurated by Jesus. And uh, John couldn't wait. He said it was going to be the mark of Jesus' ministry, the effect of Christ's ministry, of his atonement, of his resurrection and his ascension, was that we would see the work of the Spirit breaking out in the church and empowering his people to live a life for him. Well, let's move on. We looked at the Old Testament. We looked at John the Baptist, who was the last Old Covenant prophet. Let's look at my third point, the evidence of the filling work of the Spirit in Jesus' life. Well, let's look at our great 
author and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is our model. We are predestined to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. And um, Jesus models <laughs> a life that is pleasing to God. And we must be careful here because this is twisted a bit in the modern day church. Uh, Jesus is not the, the entire model for us because I'm very sorry to say we're not divine, all right? So <laughs> there are aspects of Christ's ministry which prove his divinity. But friends, in terms of holiness and in terms of obedience and in terms of the need for the empowering of the Spirit to live a life pleasing to God, he is the perfect example of what we are to become. And uh, I want to point out to you today, the Holy Spirit, please listen to me very carefully, the Holy Spirit is involved in empowering Jesus at every stage of his earthly life. Do you remember when Gabriel came to Mary? And Gabriel said to Mary, you're going to have the Christ. You're going to have a baby. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. Christ's incarnation, his conception in Mary's womb, was through the power of the spirits. Right at the very start of Christ's earthly ministry, he is empowered by the Spirit. And do you know that Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, Hebrews 9, 14, is it there? I hope it's up on the screen. Do you have Hebrews 9, 14? Okay, that's quite a... Anyway, I'll read it to you so long. You can write it down. It says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hebrews 9.14 tells us that Christ's perfect life was empowered by the help of the Spirit. He was able to offer a, a sacrifice unblemished to God through the empowering of the Spirit and not just the actual act of the cross. You might think, wow, Jesus was an amazing man. Well, he was, but he, he was a man empowered by the Spirit to even go through the cross, Hebrews tells us. And the point I am making is that right at the point of Christ's birth, through the help of the Spirit, he can start living for God. That's very important. Jesus did not have to wait for a special infilling of the Spirit, which we know happened through the dove coming down upon him, to start living a life pleasing to God. The very second Christ was conceived by the Spirit, he was able to start resisting sin and start living for the Father. Now, I know this might sound a bit confusing because you think, well, isn't he resisting sin because he's divine? I'll say, remember what Philippians 2 says to us is he emptied himself of his divinity. He veiled it. And he was still divine, but he didn't grasp it. It says this wasn't something that he, he directly applied to his authority as the Son of God. No, he emptied himself of that privilege of divinity. He was still divine, but he, he veiled that divinity. He, he refused to access it so that he might model by taking on our weakness what it means to walk by the Spirit. And I want to say to you today, the reason why this is so important that Christ was able to live a life pleasing to God from the second of his birth because it was through the help of the Spirit, it's significant because the same is true for you the second you become a Christian. The second you become a Christian, please look at me. You're not waiting for some special infilling to start living a life for Christ. 
You are born again by the Spirit, and the Spirit dwells in you. And through the help of the Spirit, you are to start resisting sin, yielding to Him in every area of your life, and start being active in your pursuit of Christ. You are not waiting like Christ didn't have to wait for the special infilling to start pleasing God. It is the same for the Christian. You must take seriously today that the moment of your birth and the indwelling of the Spirit in your life empowers you to start pleasing God. It's very important. Some teach these filling ministries of the Spirit as needing to wait before you can do anything. No, my friend, you must start living for Christ the second you've come to know Him as Savior. Do you know that 30 years, 30 years went by in Jesus' life where He lived for the Father. He didn't do anything that He didn't see His Father was doing. He learned to resist sin. He learned to walk in the weakness of His flesh with the power of the Spirit. 30 years before He experienced this outpouring at His baptism. That's significant. And I want to say to you today, you taking seriously this indwelling spirit at the point of your spiritual new birth will make you start living for Jesus right now. And I want to ask you, are you? Are you yielded to this daily influence? Because that's how Jesus lived for 30 years. This daily help of the Spirit coming under the influence of the Spirit in every area of His life. Friends, you must start living for Christ the second you experience your new birth, the second you come to faith in Him. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. I want to be that very clear. But I want to show you in Christ's life, there was a moment of something more happening. And until it happened, he didn't pick up his public ministry. How can it be that Jesus, conceived by the Spirit and without any sin, could experience a fuller fullness of the Spirit? Now, let's look at Luke chapter 3. Luke jumps 30 years. I love the way they just ignore it. But anyway, 30 years of Jesus' life. And there's a big moment where John the Baptist comes and says, Hey, here's the guy we've been looking for. Behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb who comes to take away the sin of the world. There is this public entrance of Christ coming onto the scene. And he's flowing with God. That's why he gets baptized by John. Because God is working through John the Baptist's ministry. And Jesus is affirming the ministry of John the Baptist by coming under John the Baptist's ministry and being baptized in the Jordan. And something very special happens is when John comes and, and he sees Jesus, and Jesus says, I want to be baptized by you. And, and, and John, the, John says, what? No ways. You have to baptize me. And John says, no, no, it's fitting that all righteousness be fulfilled. Jesus is flowing with the help of the Spirit. He's, the Spirit is making the will of the Father known to Jesus, and he knows this is right. This is right. I'm flowing. I'm pleasing God by coming under your ministry, John. And Jesus gets baptized, and when he comes up out of the water, he's praying. Oof, what I wouldn't give to know what he was praying. I, I, I was thinking this week, Jesus, what were you praying? But I'll tell you this, we can bet that it was a wonderful experience for Jesus to come up out of this water. Uh, it's, baptism is a big thing for God's people. And, and at that moment of prayer, we don't know if he had an urgency to, to, to pray to God. or was just praise. We don't know. But in that moment of prayer, something happened. It says the heavens broke open. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit came down in bodily form as a, as a dove. And in Luke chapter 4 verse 1, it explains the effects of the Spirit coming down upon Christ's 
who had always pleased the Spirit, or who had been born conceived of the Spirit, just like we are conceived by the Spirit. So, so, so Christ was conceived by the Spirit um, in terms of our, our, our salvation. And, and so what happens in that moment is, it talks about Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, uh, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There it is. That experience of the dove coming down upon Christ led to a fullness, an infilling, an increase. Now, a good way of looking at this is like a balloon. Is when you come to faith in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. He's there. It's got substance, it's got form, it's got shape, and you can start living for God right then and there, and you must. But there is an expansion, a heightened work of the Spirit that can happen that leads to some very important effects in our ability to follow Christ. And it was the same for Jesus. His ability to serve God and his ability to follow God and to be empowered through the Spirit was heightened so that he could start to do things, not according to his divinity, but according to his weakness under the power of the Spirit, to start doing things which before then he did not have the power yet to do. Do you know, Jesus explains his ability to, to minister as being the fulfillment of Isaiah 61 verse 1. Do you know what Jesus says? He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's the difference. Up until 30 years before, the Spirit was working in Christ. He was able to please God. He was living for God. He was perfectly flowing with the will of God. But the second he starts to minister, Christ says, something happened to me. I received a greater fullness. And it's the fullness of Isaiah 61 verse 10. Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Christ wants you to know his power is not flowing from his divinity, which, by the way, he could have accessed on his own authority. He could have said, I'm the son of God and I do these things. No, no, he's saying, I'm modeling for you where my source of dependency and power is coming from. It's not coming from my divinity. It's coming from the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is able me to preach with such power that when I preach, everyone's shocked at the authority. The reason why Christ was so different to the Pharisees was the Pharisees were teaching and teaching in the flesh. Oh my goodness, people were so bored. But when the second Christ rocked up on the scene and he began to preach in the power of the Spirit, everybody took notice because they recognized someone else was speaking. It was the Spirit of God sanctioning this, this ministry of Jesus. And it was through the power of the Spirit that Christ did miracles. Remember what Matthew chapter 12, verse 28 says, But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. It's arrived. And friends, this empowering of the Spirit is modeled by Jesus. The daily empowerings or infillings of the Spirit that helped him live a life pleasing to God, that helped him understand the will of the Father. And then there was a special infilling that happened at the right time of Christ's life that equipped him and enabled him to, to operate in a way he never did before. Up until that receiving of the dove. Do you know he never preached a single sermon? Up until the, the Holy Spirit came and dwelt upon Christ bodily, this infilling, he never did a miracle. Did you know that? Not once did his ministry have any public effect or any public noteworthiness until this fullness 
of the Spirit had come upon him. And it is a mark, friends. Christ before and Christ after. Christ living daily by the Spirit and the heightened work of the Spirit in Jesus, helping Jesus to do a ministry for, for, for the Father, being able to proclaim His divinity and His sonship through these great miracles empowered by the Spirit. There is a difference of before and after, daily fillings and the special fillings that we're interested in looking at. You ask me the question, why should I be bothered about these special infillings of the Spirit? Well, because in every way in Scripture, the people are different after them. That's why. And for anybody who wants to live for Jesus today, you should be interested in getting all the help you can get. <laughs> and today, friends, Jesus said to his disciples that his departure to the Father was necessary and to their advantage because then he could initiate the age of the spirits. In John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, I, I've only included the last verse, but I'll read the whole verse. It says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The moment Christ got to heaven, the reason why he was excited to go there was because we would receive the empowering of the Spirit, both daily and also the special promise of the Father. Acts chapter 1 verse 45 says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And friends, what happened in Christ's promise happened on the day of Pentecost. And they were all filled in Acts chapter 2 verse 4 with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Why are we interested in these special Infillings. We're going to look at them more next week. I know you've got lots of questions, but what I want you to notice is that they are both. That you must start living for Jesus right now, by according to your new birth. You have the Spirit, but you must also be open, just as Christ was open to a greater fullness that the Father chooses to give as we follow Jesus. They are unusual. There are moments in your life that you look back on and go, that was really special. There are times of spiritual flourishing. There are times when God feels much closer to you than what he normally does. There are times of him speaking to you. There are moments of great impact where you feel you cannot quite see God the same way ever again. And you have a heightened sense of the Spirit's work in your life. They are very precious. I am going to land it there this week <laughs> because I want to talk about the effects of this in our lives and how we relate to them. But church... What I want to guard us against is if you think these special infillings are mere experiences which you can look back on and maybe you shook a bit or you cried a bit or you had some strange manifestation physically and that's what you think this fullness of the Spirit is, then I'm afraid you've missed the point.
the mark of these special fillings of the spirits is not how they manifest in the human body. It's their spiritual impact on the human heart towards Christ. And this is for anybody who wants more of Jesus. If you want more of Christ this morning, then you are ready to be, ex to, to be open, to, to yearn for the work of the Spirit in your life. If you are not interested in looking like Jesus more in your life, in other words, sanctification, then these special infillings, they're not for you. I grew up in a church where the, the hallmark of whether God's Spirit was there was the, spirit, the physical manifestations. Let me tell you, there are many of my fellow youth group members that are nowhere with Jesus today. That physical experience meant nothing because it didn't give them Christ. And I don't want us to be looking at these moves of God in church history and in the church this morning, in the individual, in our worship services, by evaluating the effects, the physical manifestations of, of, of the Spirit being present amongst His people. No, no. What I want us to measure by is, do we have a heart for Christ? Do we want to know Him more? And do we understand who we are in Him? Do we want to resist sin and live a life of love in the way that when the world looks at this church, they see the workings of the Spirit as the manifestations of the love of God in our hearts for Christ, for each other, and for the lost? And the third is, we want to see a people mobilized with the gospel. Friends, if you had some experience years ago, but it never spurred you on for the glory of Christ and to see the urgency of people's needs for Jesus and a desire to see them come to faith, I question if it was the Holy Spirit because the mark of the Spirit and the heightened work, even these special infillings, is a desire to live for Christ and to make His name known. Now, do we want to be a church like that? Amen, hey? That when the world looks at us, they see Christ. Not some people who are, are obsessed with entertainment, having some sort of experiences that they can go home by and write about, oh, I experience. No, my friends, what we are interested in is God shaping us by the Spirit to love Christ, to look like Him, and to live for Him. That's the right response to these infillings. Praise God that they are on offer. Praise God that we can look back. Some of you know what is, there are times of scripture reading and prayer, a sermon, a worship time, a season where God came down in your life and you experienced the sense of His empowering that sure you faithfully lived with the desire to please God. You read your Bible, you prayed, you came to church, but there were these moments where God found you by the Spirit and you could never quite be the same way again. And you look back on them and you say, look what God did in that season. I flourished. It was a season of sweetness. Oh, might God awaken us again to long to be yielded to the Spirit in that way again where we are full, full of this helper inspiring us to live for Christ. If you want more of Christ, this is for you. If Christ needed these infillings, are you open to them in your life? But friends, don't start 
only living for God until you experience this heightened work of the Spirit. You start living for Jesus now. You come under this wonderful leadership of the Spirit. You can start loving and living for Christ. And you know the funny thing is I've seen in my experience and Scripture? That this wonderful, heightened work of the Spirit in the believer's heart so often flows with those that want to please Him. I have great anticipation in the Lord for us. Not because of manifestations of physical things, no. Because of what the Spirit does in our hearts. He can choose however He wants to do it. We don't mind. But what we long for is that fullness that leads to a greatness of Christ with us. In us, through us, let's pray. Let's all stand together. Father, the theme is the same over the last three weeks. You are asking us to be yielded to the helper. And Lord, today we want to say it is not that we might have more of the Spirit, but Lord, that the Spirit might have all of us. And and I just pray for each person in the room here this morning that they would be awakened afresh to the helper. The helper. That the Lord is not letting you leave here alone, but the very presence of God through the indwelling Holy Spirit is available to you. Would you yield to him this morning? Lord, next week we're going to see how you sovereignly help us live for you. But Lord, you don't call us to wait. And we want to pray as we leave this place this morning you would have our hearts wide open to the helper. Lord, we want to love you more, Jesus. We want to live for you more. We want to look like you more. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Take our lives and let them glorify Christ. Through these daily and special infillings we ask. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. We'll tackle the rest next week. Thank you.